For anybody that knows me, uh, you, uh, you are aware that I love chocolate. Did you guys know that about me? I love chocolate. I love Kit Kats. I love Junior Mints. I love M&M's. I love Almond Joy. Um, I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love milk chocolate. I like dark chocolate, white chocolate. I'm not sure if it's really even a chocolate. You know what I mean about that, right? It's, I don't know what it is, but it is, it's just not chocolate, okay? Now, I came by my love affair with chocolate naturally. Uh, I am sure I may have shared this with you before, uh, I, but I know it comes to me naturally. It's probably part of my DNA because I remember the day that I found my dad hiding chocolate bars in his underwear drawer. <laughs> True story. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I was in his underwear drawer. It's kind of weird just to think about it, right? But uh, he, I asked him, I said, Dad, I found some, uh, some candy bars in your underwear drawer. And he says, yeah, I leave them alone. I, they're there for a purpose. I need, when I need something, I need something, all right? Well, they didn't, I didn't, I couldn't leave them alone, by the way. I, had no, I have no self-control when it comes to chocolate. I'm just confessing that to you right now. I have, well, I have a little bit of self-control. I've told some, some people, I proudly, I'll say, you know what, I, in an effort to be healthy, I don't allow myself chocolate during the week from Monday to Friday, but on the weekends, I can have all the chocolate I want. And to be honest with you, for the most part, I can, I have enough self-control to do that. But usually like two or three weeks into that rhythm, I, I crash and burn and I just have to have chocolate, which leads me to my confession. I, I do not, I think that I don't just love chocolate. I think I'm a chocoholic. Is that, have you ever heard that? I think it's possible. I think something physiologically happens in me that causes me not just to love chocolate, but to need chocolate. Can anybody, if you're, anybody, be honest. Anybody else relate to that? Amen. There's a lot of you. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're lying. <laughs> and even if you're not lying, this is what I know. If your Achilles heel is not chocolate, I know there's something that you have in your life that you struggle to exhibit self-control about. Why do I know that? I know that because you're human. My guess is that as a human being, you have more than just one thing that you struggle to control in your life. Because the fact of the matter is, as human beings, that... Self-control is not something that you're born with. Self-control is a skill that you kind of live into. And for some of us, especially in some areas, exhibiting self-control is not an easy thing to do at all. Now, if you've been with us the last few uh, weeks here, you know that here at Prairie Bible Church, we've been talking about Uh, the tools of discipleship, the biblical tools of discipleship, and those are things that will help us to grow to become more like Jesus because that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ, right? To grow to become more like Jesus. And those tools are intended to help you do that. But last week, we began to make the transition from talking about the tools of discipleship to the marks of discipleship or the qualities that a Christian life should possess. And um, Megan, the biblical term for it is really the fruits of the Spirit. As a Christian, there are fruits of the Spirit that we, that we should be producing in our lives. And that's what we're going to be talking about um, 
in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the marks of discipleship, the qualities of a Christian life, or the fruits of the Spirit. And as you might have already imagined, uh, the mark of discipleship that we're going to look at today is that of self-control. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. Because I heard Keith say something after the last song this morning that reminded me about the devil. I don't know if you believe in the devil. I don't even... You should, but if you don't, it's okay. Your salvation is not dependent on whether or not you believe in the devil. I want you to know I believe in the devil. And one of the reasons I believe in the devil is because he whispers in my ear every day. And he was talking about that a moment ago. He didn't use those words, but that's what he was saying. Every day, the devil whispers in my ear and says, you know what? You're a mess. If you were really a Christian... You wouldn't have this problem. And all of a sudden, as, he was, as Keith was talking about how God truly views you, how God sees you, not the devil, but God. Because when Keith was saying, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a mess. He doesn't see somebody who's struggling to, to live a Christian life. He sees someone that he loves. He sees the potential within you. And he's not condemning you. The devil is constantly condemning you. And anyway, as Keith was talking about that this morning, it struck me. I do not want anybody here this morning to feel in any, even, the, even in a fraction, to feel as though what I'm about to say is somehow condemning. Because you said back, you know what? I'm struggling so much with self-control. He's talking about me. I'm terrible at this. And the whole time, devil's going, yeah, you're right, you are terrible at self-control. Do not listen to that voice in your head. And by the way, that's not what this morning is about. This isn't about condemnation. This isn't, uh, yes, we're going to be lifting up the spiritual fruit of self-control. But this morning is not about you feeling bad because you don't have it. This morning is about God saying, listen, you're on a journey. Nobody has mastered any of these things. And I have decided, God has decided that he's going to go on this journey with you. And he wants you to know and understand that that on this journey to uh, living out the marks of discipleship, that there's going to be days you take two steps forward and one step back. You are on a journey. So don't listen to those voices that say you're a mess up. That you'll never be able to figure this out. Instead, listen to this voice that says, you're on a journey. And the best news of all is that Jesus is on the journey with you. Can you do that for me today? Because what I'm about to share with you is some of the best news that you're going to hear all week. If you're ready, I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to show you something this morning that I'm going to bet you've never heard before. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. While you're doing that, let me give you a little history um, about the book of 1 Corinthians. As you may know, 1 Corinthians, um, like many other books in the New Testament, is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to some new converts, Christian converts, in the city of, of Corinth. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. Corinth... Um, was a great place to live. 
It had, if you, anything you would imagine that a cosmopolitan community would have to offer, uh, Corinth had to offer. It was at the crossroads of business and commerce, which meant that it was a very affluent community. And with affluence or with money came opportunity. That's the good part. But with opportunity, or affluence and opportunity, um, there, there were opportunities for both good things and bad things, right? There was, in Corinth, um, lots of bad things, as well as lots of good things that you could get involved in. There was sex. There was drugs. There was alcohol. You name it, whatever your vice is, whatever your weakness is, whatever you might be tempted to do or to involve yourself in that we know is bad, it was available to you in Corinth. Now, why do I share that with you today? Well, it was into that environment or into that, tr- that truth that the Apostle Paul spoke our passage for today. And basically, he said this. You already heard it read, but let me read it for you again. He speaks to these folks in Corinth. By the way, if you haven't figured this out yet, he was speaking to you too. But specifically, he was speaking to the folks in Corinth. He says this. He says, no temptation has seized you beyond that which was common to man. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second to, again, explain to you what must have been going on there. He says, no temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man. Because what was going on was that these new converts to Christianity in the, in the city of Corinth were um, struggling. Some of them were struggling to live into the marks of discipleship. They were struggling to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Which, by the way, is common of everybody. No matter how mature you are in the faith, everybody from time to time struggles to exhibit the marks of discipleship, the qualities of a Christian life. And these folks were struggling. But instead of just simply admitting their weakness, admitting the fact that they were struggling, they started making excuses. They said, well, you know, we live in Corinth. It's much harder to live in Corinth than it is in Shueyville. Because we got a whole lot more stuff available, bad stuff available to us than than you folks do. Won't you just cut us a little bit slack? Now, this is what I know about Paul. Paul was more than ready to offer them some slack. You know why? Because slack is really just... Oh, another way of calling, I'm going to offer you grace. Right? We're all on a journey. Paul knew that they were on a journey. Paul knew that they would struggle to live into the marks of discipleship. He knew that. So he was more than ready to offer them grace. More than ready to offer them a little slack because of the struggles that they were feeling. But you know what he was not going to do? He was not going to allow them to make excuses for their weakness. He's not going to let you do that either. But there is good news. So he says this, right? He says, he says um, stop it. No temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man. You're not dealing with anything more than anybody else living anywhere. Everybody has their stuff, right? But take heart. This is where he offers them some slack. He says, but take heart, 
for God is faithful. And God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. And when you are tempted, he will give you the power to stand up against it. That is good news, folks. But take heart, for God is faithful, and he shall not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. That's good news. What God is saying is there's nothing that's going to happen in your life, no temptation that you're going to be faced with that you won't be able to handle. That's good news. The bad news is, when I look at my own life, the reality is I've got stuff that I can't handle. I was willing to confess to you that I can't handle my chocolate, but I got other things too that I don't handle very well. And I start to feel condemned because God has promised in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he says, God will not give you more than you can handle, Craig, so what's your problem? You ever felt that way? See, that's when the devil comes and whispers in your See, you're a mess. God's given you everything that you need, but you can't handle it. What's your problem? We're disarming him right now. Because it's just like everything else that the devil does. He takes the truth and he just twists it. Or he only tells you just the part that, that will make you feel guilty. So we focus on the part that says, take heart for God will not give you more than you can handle. And then we realize I've got more than I can handle, so that, that means I'm a mess. Until you read the next part. No temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man. But take heart, for God is faithful, for he shall not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. Listen to this. No temptation has seized you beyond that which you can handle. For when you are tempted, God will give you the power to stand up against it. All right, I don't know if you've been paying attention to me up to this point or not. If your mind's been wandering, that's okay if it has. But just at this point, stop whatever it is that's on your mind. And listen to me, because what I'm about to say to you is going to rock your world. Self-control is fake news. Now you're really, I'm not listening to him. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying. Self-control is not fake news. There are certain things I have no problem exhibiting self-control over. I have no problem saying no to white chocolate. <laughs> Milk chocolate, on the other hand, it's got my number. You see what I'm saying? You, you, get, you understand where I'm going with this, right? Self-control is not a misnomer. There are certain things we have no problem exhibiting self-control over. But there are certain things, and it maybe it's not even a lot of things, but it's enough things that will condemn you. There are enough things that we just can't get our arms around. We've been trying our whole lives, and I, it, it, is, it has managed me rather than me, it, me, me managing it. It's because you've been doing it wrong. 
You've bought into the lie from the devil that it's your responsibility as a Christian to control yourself. That is not your responsibility as a Christian. Your responsibility as a Christian is to recognize that you're weak. And that you don't have the ability to control these things that have been controlling you. Your responsibility as a Christian is to give it to Jesus. Exodus 14, 14 says, be at peace and let the Lord fight for you. It's not your battle. Now, you can, you can fight it if you want to. And you do most of the time, don't you? And then you fail and then you feel bad about yourself because you, th- you think you should know better. Stop it. You're doing it wrong. You see, really what we're talking about here is, is just another expression of lordship. When you accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, you are, at, you are receiving the grace that He has to offer you, not because you deserve it, but because He loves you. And when you accept Him into your heart as Savior and as Lord, what, you're, what He's asking you to do, what, really what He's demanding from you, is for you to give it all to Him. All of it. You see, when, when you decide to battle the, these things that you're wrestling with in your own strength, it's kind of, that's, that's, the, that's the greatest lie of the devil of ever. Because really what he has convinced you of is that you've got to clean yourself up before you will ever be um, worthy of God's love. That's works righteousness. He's saying, no! You can't do anything to make yourself worthy of God's love. He's saying, give that stuff to me. And let me fight it for you. So every time, so the next time you find yourself wrestling with something that's got your number, instead of you wrestling, just say, I give up. I give it to you, Jesus. I can't do this. I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to master this for 50 years. And I, I, and I, I'm, I last for two or three weeks and then I'm, I crash and burn again. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm giving it to you. I'll tell you something. When you start to do that, your victory rate's going to go up exponentially. You're still going to make mistakes because you're human. But the next time that happens, instead of beating yourself up, Ask Him to forgive you. Admit to Him that you're weak. That you're a sinner. Ask Him to forgive you. And then say, I'm not fighting this anymore. I'm giving it to you. And then remember, you're on a journey. And you're not on the journey alone. He's with you every step of the way. You're welcome. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I think the devil hates it when we expose the lie. And I suspect he hated what happened this morning. 
Because what you just did is you offered us freedom. Freedom from guilt and bondage. Freedom from continual battles that we know because of experience will lead to failure every time. Help us, Jesus, today, starting today, to stop it and to remember and to, when we, when we feel ourselves drawn into the fight, just to stop and surrender. Not to the temptation, but to you. And help us to remember that when we surrender it to you, we've already won. Because that's what you did on the cross. You gained a victory over sin and death. And you offered it freely to each one of us. And you've said, I'll, I'll walk with you and journey with you every day. And we'll get it. We'll get it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that promise and for the peace that goes beyond all human understanding. If only we'll remember to place all that we are.